The Choose Love movement offers no-cost solutions that keep our kids safe, providing them with the skills and tools they need to flourish. Join us in our mission to create the world we want to live in, one that's connected and compassionate. Check us out at chooselovemovement.org. Together, we can choose love. Hey, everyone. My name is Scarlett Lewis. I am the founder of the Choose Love Movement. You have joined the Choose Love podcast, and we are so happy that you're here. We're stronger together, and that is our goal for love, connection, and a deep sense of belonging for each and every one of us. And today, I have an incredibly special guest. I am so excited to introduce James Harvey to you. Now, James Harvey is an incredible individual, and we're going to get to know him during this podcast, but he is also running for mayor in Memphis, and Memphis has been in the headlines recently. We all know the difficulties that they're experiencing, which actually uh, a lot of our communities are experiencing. And I am really excited to talk to James about his unique ideas and and his incredible level of courage to face the difficulties. And he has his own unique spin on it, which is really awesome. James, welcome to the Choose Love Movement. Thank you so much, uh, Scarlett. I am excited to be here with you. Uh, certainly, you've been a champion in the causes that have uh, uh, impacted your life and how you think and how you live in this complicated world. And thank you so much for actually uh, taking the initiative to address the community and address the world with some with some applicable things that could really save us from the dismal effects that we are constantly waking up to from one morning to the next. And uh, thank you for the podcast, uh, Connectivity, and thank you for the work that you do. Well, first of all, I want to start off by thanking you for your service to our country. You uh, served our country. You are a father. You were an educator. You are now Mm -hmm. in a business. And so you have done it all and really have credibility uh, when you talk about what you think needs to be done in our country. And you have the love of of our country and of your community to to actually step up to do that. Absolutely. I've had a good one, uh, Scarlett. uh, I have performed leadership from a vast uh, uh, perspective. And I'm very comfortable with leading, which leads me into my interest to serve Memphis. Uh, Memphis is in trouble, and we'll get into that as we continue with the podcast. But I have a, I'm have a native Memphian. Uh, I have a big heart for people, all people, all races, all gender, all circumstances. Uh, and it's time for us to start concentrating on how do we bring our resources together that more people uh, can be advanced and protected and loved, opposed to all of the small brokenness that exists from the little individualized silos that we live in. You know, I think conceptually we have a, a similar general idea about the problems that we face, but then we're all splintered in, in how we rank those problems. 
crime for some people is a priority. Crime for others is not that big of a priority because they've decided to allow money, success, where they live, how well connected they are. And in an open community, we see that that is not working because our children, the most vulnerable human beings that exist on this planet are our children. And they're actually just growing up around us while we're infighting about race and economic uh, status and, and all of our high profile interests. Our children are just, we're losing them. And what I like about the you know, the love, uh, Choose Love movement, you address, you go back and you redress, you cause us to redress our thinking so that we can go back to the basics in which God created uh, uh, for us from the origin. And that is take care of your children. It will strengthen your families. It will strengthen your community. And the world would be that much better off. So thank you for uh, what you do as well, uh, Scarlett. And I'm 100% behind you, whether this campaign or after the campaign, I'll travel all over the country to help you continue to promote Choose Love Movement. I really appreciate that. And I agree with you that mm -hmm. our children have to be our priority. And right now they are not. I mean, of course, you're talking to a mom whose six-year-old son was murdered in his first grade classroom alongside 19 of his classmates and six educators. I mean, that's something that can't happen anywhere, can't happen in America, doesn't have to be happening, continues to happen. And that is simply because we're not prioritizing the safety, health, and well-being of our kids. And I, you know, you and I are lockstep on that. Uh, I think for too long, I thought <laughs> 10 years and a day ago, you know, the, the stuff that goes on, uh, a lot of it's not going to impact me, frankly. And I have my two kids. I'm a single mom, full-time job. Uh, I have a lot to do. And my job is to just make sure that my kids are the best that they can be. But in actuality, uh, I don't think that anyone can say now, James, that what is going on in our world is not impacting them because it is in some way. I don't care what, uh, how much money you have, where you live, what color your skin is, you are being impacted not only by, you know, economically, uh, but, but also uh, we're reading all of this on, on the front lines of uh, of this we're being pumped with uh with information 24 7 and that's what's actually burgeoned the anxiety in our country and so we're reading this it's happening in our communities where we never thought that it would where we thought that we were insulated uh from violence so uh you know and 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 it's happening in in memphis but it's happening in other towns and, and communities across the country as well at unprecedented levels. I agree with that. Um, you know, as you've already stated, once upon a time, we could separate ourselves. And, you know, even I may have thought that at one time. I've always had a great living. Uh, I raised a son uh, by way of divorce. His mother and I committed to raising that one child. Neither one of us had any other children. All of our focus was on this one child. 
And thank God he was able to keep us harmonious whereby we could give the child what he needed. And he's a he's an actual success story today in his own right. But that's because of love. Uh, moreover than that, you know, his mother decided, and we're friends, by the way, his mother decided to be foster parent after the success of our child. You know, we had this commitment. God has blessed us to see, has blessed us even amid brokenness in the marriage. He's blessed us to have a, to raise a child with one common goal. And we, we did that. So now that the child is up and gone, he's 35 now. I make it sound like he's just 18 years old, but my baby is 30. your head though, right? That's correct. Yeah, my baby is 35 doing yeah. well. But what, what his mother did, and we had this discussion, his mother went and uh, started to become a foster parent in her 30s and 40s. I started, I found two little boys and I started taking them on as my grandsons. My son has no children. Uh, he's married, has, and, and my son is married with a family, but he has no children. And I took these two little boys that would have been poor, that would have perhaps have been a statistic, uh, that would have been just like I was with no father. And uh, I actually participated in raising them. And those kids are wonderful, uh, clean, respectful kids. They have been taught the Christian values, the moral uh, values that will assist them as they go along. One of them is in the ninth grade and one of, one of them is in the fourth grade. So my, my, my task is not over. But we're talking about choose love. Uh, it it may be one of those boys that come and 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 take the depression from me when I become old. One of them may be the doctor for my health care. One could be my transporter when I'm no longer mobile. So if you invest in the community, regardless, that was a job I took on that I didn't have to take on because it cost me money, it cost me time, and what it cost me more than anything, uh, Scarlett. It costs my heart because mm. my heart is tied into those boys mm. as though they were my own blood. So, uh, I, and I, I want to make mention of this. Yes, I've been in the military for six years. I've been a business owner for 37 years. I've worked for corporate America for some of the largest companies in the world. Um, um, I have completed my college study in business management, business science, business management. I'm one of nine children. I know what it's like to not feel love, although my mother loved us well. It was absent that father love that I have always yearned for. I'm 60 years old. I still yearn for fatherly love that I may never get. But there were people that crossed my path that showed that demonstrated love from the perspective of a man that that helped shape and form my thinking and my thoughts. So what I've committed to do is take all of my experience. I also would serve eight years as a county commissioner. I will not leave this earth and not have gone back and reinvested all of the skills and trades and resources and relationships and friendships, and I will take all that God gave me, and I'll plant it back into the earth that over time, a legacy of James Harvey's, Harvey's efforts 
will continue to live after I'm no longer here. And if we can do, I, here again, going, going, it goes back to the Choose Love movement. If we choose love over comfort, over convenience, over laziness, over the extreme competitiveness, uh, over the distance that we uh, uh, that we insert that divides us. If we choose love, life is really not that difficult. But it becomes difficult when you don't put yourself in the trenches of the life cycle. We're responsible for being part of the life cycle. And if you exist, if you live, everybody is responsible responsible for adding value to the life cycle. And you start with the most vulnerable, innocent lives that exist around us, and it's our children. And then we go to the other extreme, it's our senior citizens. So there's a whole, that's a huge distance between the two extremes. And if we could commit uh, through love, uh, the uh, the uh, what's necessary to keep those two extremes, children and our elderly, in our foresight, then I think it keeps us a bridge to treating each other better, understanding the, uh, how quality living uh, positively impacts all of us. Uh, all of these uh, extreme thoughts that we have with perhaps go out of the window. You have to be busy. Life is about being busy. Busy yourself. Find something that you can do. Find an interest, hopefully it's human interest. And, you know, that'll keep you busy as you have been busy with your, your movement, Scarlett. Well, we say the opposite of anxiety is positive action. And the one of the things that I did was take my part of the responsibility for what happened to Jesse in his school. It happened in my community. Adam Lanza, the former student of Sandy Hook Elementary School, he grew up here. And I didn't necessarily, I don't know if I ever ran across him. I don't think that I did. But what happens in my community is my responsibility. And I think we have to remember that. I see a lot of people that point fingers, that blame, that fault find. And yet I don't see them, one like you, standing up and taking responsibility for what's going on in their community and having the courage to face it and come out. It's not it's not uh, that easy to come out and, and run for mayor. You've got your own business. You're busy anyway, but you have the courage to go above and beyond that to uh, to try to help. And, you know, I did that as well. I took my part of the responsibility and I created the Choose Love movement. And, you know, I think that for everybody listening, change comes from within. You can look out and you can blame other people and you can point your finger here and there and you can demand laws and change and all that. But the change comes from inside you. And we have to start modeling for our kids what choosing love looks like because they see it. They see it. They hear it. It's in the headlines. And don't think that they don't know because kids hear everything and they see, they read your body language. And it's essential that our children feel safe. We can do that for them. We just have to shift. It's like doing the same thing over and over, the same talking points, thinking that they're going to get a different result. And they are not. 
I'm no. telling you that I've been, you know, doing this for 10 years. We have to address the root cause. It's, it's, it's actually work. It's actually taking responsibility for our community, for our life, for our children, and knowing that, as you said before, James, and I totally agree, we are responsible for what goes on in our world, everything, and we need to act to do it. And by the way, when you do, when you say, okay, I'll take responsibility, I'm going to move forward, I'm going to do something, it, regardless of how small that one step forward, it feels so good. You get a sense of self-esteem. You you feel good about yourself, confidence. You 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 now have a new belief in yourself, and that just continues to grow. And I think that that's a lot of what we lack in in uh, in our country right now. I agree, and and that that's a good segue into uh, why I'm running for mayor and what some of the concerns are. You know, I'm, I'm running for mayor, I'm up against the behemoth of candidates. Uh, one of the candidates are heavily supported by the sitting mayor and all of, uh, all of his money funders are there supporting him. Why? Has nothing to do with uh, uh, the safety of Memphis. We all know Memphis is the uh, highest crime city in America. Uh, and it doesn't have to be, but we have a bad habit here of picking people that we like rather than picking people that are qualified. The sitting mayor wants to continue his legacy and all of his hopes uh, and dreams through investing in Memphis uh, with people that he have uh, relationships with that have promised some bit of a financial gain for another public office down the road. That individual is a probably 43, 45. Doesn't matter about his age, but what does matter is about his experience. But he has raised a nominal. He has the most money raised so that those continued efforts will perpetuate through uh, his administration if by chance he's the successful candidate. That's a huge problem. And then on the Republican side, you have people, and I'm a conservative, on the Republican, I'm actually more of an independent, but I'm, I probably fall between independent and conservative. You have the conservative money pit that has taken the sheriff uh, that's running for the mayor's office. And they've decided to flood their campaigns with hundreds and thousands of dollars. And, I, I, and, and we all think primarily it's because the suburbs want another kind of person for sheriff. He's a terrible sheriff. Of course, he just won a plaque for being sheriff of the year. But I don't know how you win a plaque for being sheriff of the year when you have the highest crime in America, when you have, uh, when you have uh, inexplicable deaths in the jail that you're responsible for, that the parents cannot get all of the information uh, regarding those deaths as members of their family. And how that there's so much disgruntlement. You know, you take the Tyree Knuckles case that was here. The, uh, our sheriff got on TV during CNN interview and stated that he learned about the Tyree Knuckles case when it came out on uh, in the media. That's that's a reprehensible response and act of a person that's supposed to be leading. But you have the two. You have the money pits on each side of the equation. 
They want people that they can control. They want people that that doesn't create any uh, any possibility for positive change. They don't. They're not people that see the world uh, being a beautiful place as it once was. They continue to see it from an economic standpoint. And these are the type of leaders that are frightening. These are the type of leaders that we have at the federal level, up in the U.S. Senate and in the House of Representatives. We can no longer uh, invest those leaders and watch our local municipalities and, and towns and, and um, counties go to ruins because that's where the trouble, you know, what's not done at the federal level, what's poorly done at the local level, uh, it, 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 it motivates uh, the opportunity for criminal action. I was looking, just reading this morning, uh, Scarlett on TV, Oakland, California. I lived in California for a couple of years uh, as a regional manager for FedEx and Human Resources. And 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 uh, they, they have residents currently moving away from Oakland, California. A uh, lady has been there all of her life. She's leaving because of the failed leadership. She's leaving because of there's a there's a propagated effort uh, that's pervaded throughout the community that that speaks to defunding the police. Uh, she's living because of all of the anti-police rhetoric. Now we know policing needs reforming, but then that has everything to do with the leadership. Uh, who wants to wake up with no police? I certainly don't. But there is a we, we are creating a lawless environment and it's due to poor leadership. And if we don't put some force of a stop gate, stop gap between what's conveniently being allowed versus what's the constitutional provides us in terms of safety and all of the irrevocable benefits of being a citizen then we're really not gonna be able to survive in this community. So that leads me to this point. I see a great opportunity for a better Memphis. And if if I'm elected, if the, they'll get a, they'll, number one, they'll get a leader that doesn't have to have the position as a job. I have enough work to do and I, 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 have, a, I, I have an earned income that's really not that much different from what the mayor uh, seat would be paying, but uh, I'm willing to take all of the uh, responsibility. I'm okay with understanding, staying awake and wondering from one night to the next night, how do we make Memphis more safer? How do we keep the citizens whole? How do we keep ourselves connected? People that want this position for the sake of a job and the salary and popularity, they're not going to, you're not going to be able to find them at three o'clock in the morning when there's a crisis. And if, and, and unfortunately, we live in a society where popularity seems to be the rule of the day. And I would hope, Scarlett, we could see through all of the smoke and mirror and look at the heart of a man that has no purpose other than his passion to ensure that Memphis gets what it needs from a leadership perspective. So I see, I dream of a better Memphis with better leadership.
And that kind of is the, the is is the start and the essence of why I think. Well, let me just name a few things while I'm there, and then I'll be quiet. You know, the essence of good leadership and what Memphis need is we need we need uh, good police. And number one, we need our police force to be at the levels that it has been studied and determined based on the amount of the crime that we have. We have about 1,900 officers. It's been determined we need about 2,400. I, sus I suspect and I, su I would suggest that we get, since we're the number one crime city in America, we may need an additional 100 officers. Or we, we certainly need to come up to the full complement of officers that has been recommended, but perhaps we can have 100 reserve officers, officers that's ready to backfill due to attrition, retirement, and loss of life. Uh, that's, that's, that's a leadership issue. And then with, with, with this juvenile crime, we've got to go back to uh, the basics. Uh, I, as I've stated before, I think crime starts at home. Then it goes to the school. Then it goes to the streets. Then it comes in you and my back door. Mm -hmm. We have got to do something with juvenile crime. So what has happened, Scarlett, in my opinion, and I think my opinion is pretty strong, uh, I, I, I think that we have become uh, conveniently absent of our responsibilities as parents. Uh, our parents are, have lost their way. Our parents, we, we have not only have we allowed uh, a crime to overpower us, but I think we've also allowed the First Amendment to be more individualized than generalized. Everybody gets to do what they want. Everybody gets to say what they want. Everybody gets to stand behind their thoughts. Everybody gets to tug in war with what, is, what has been uh, generally acceptable as a best practice idea for decision making, well, we have we we we're trying to trump that and expand that like some of the other things we've allowed in our cities to take place that are not ethical, not responsible, and not beneficial to a sustainable community. But the 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 right to say something might be your freedom, but is it right at that time to do so? And I think we get confused with that ideology and it has permeated through the hearts of our children. And no longer now can we discipline our children. Little Johnny, what do you think about going to school? Well, I don't want to go to school anymore, uh, Father James. I think I'm just going to take off a day. And our parents are finding that, that acceptable to some degree. Some of these parents don't have ample services that they need to even uh, manage their homes. They don't have support that they need to even sustain their homes. So all of these helps in the bad behavior model and it goes to the streets. And when we don't capture it in the street, it, it invades our personal privacy. And before you know it, we've come to that point, Scarlett. We are the place of almost lawlessness. And if we do not stand we just, and I believe this, Lad, I want to say this one thing before I, I yield. I think God is waiting for people to stand up and take possession of the power that he gave us. 
and leading our communities and protecting our families into being thoughtful one to the other and to having empathy and compassion for people that are different. I think God is waiting on man to stand, man synonymous to man and woman. And until we stand for principles and until we say no more, and until we activate our thoughts into action rather than it being a roundtable discussion, I think we're going to have, I don't think the worst, I don't think we've seen the worst of matters. So leadership matters, and that's why I'm running. And with my vast experience, unlike all of the other candidates, I bring to the table a balanced level of thought leadership that will provide what Memphis needs and address all of the uh, aggravating discomforts that we've been forced to, to have to live with because there's been a lack of thought leadership and a lack of a concerted effort to address the root causes of our problems. I think I'll pause right there for a minute, Scarlett. That was a lot, James, and and I agree with everything that you said. I will say that I believe in the people. I believe that most people want to live a peaceful life, and and they will do. They will take the responsibility. They just want to know what to do, and and we have to remind everybody. Hey, it's a choice every single day how you live your life if you haven't lived it well before you can you can make the choice today to take responsibility for what's going on in your community i know what's going on in your community my mom has a best friend that lives there and one of her friends was mugged leaving a a, a grocery store in broad daylight now they have security guards taking people from the grocery store to their cars in broad daylight, that's, that is not okay. And, you know, I think that I have faith in the people of Memphis, but also the people across America uh, that we know what the right thing to do is. We, we don't, we're not going to allow big money, special interests to dump money into these campaigns and to be brainwashed by them. We know what the right thing to do is. We have the courage to step up. And as a democracy, we can cast our vote for the person who has the courage, as you said, to stay up 24-7, to constantly think of solutions, and, and not to cater to special interests and their buddies. I mean, that's we're done with that as a country. It's it's we 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 the 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 normal guys out there like me, they want peace and and, and say and number one, I mean, what do we pay our taxes for? It's to keep us safe. Uh right there then and there. I tell you what, it's hard for me to pay my tax bill uh when it comes to because because my my child should have been safe at school. I mean, that is that's the very bare minimum. And uh, and my six year old uh, had to face down uh, the barrel of an AK forty seven and and actually act very bravely and save nine of his classmates. Now people ask me, what do you think is lacking in, in our country in our communities now? Like, why does this keep happening? I say it's courageous leadership. Right there, it is. It, it takes courage to do the right thing and and not to be bought and paid for. It takes right. courage. And so right. I respect 
respect anybody who actually says that and who's going to stand up and do that and who is a thought leader, who is having these conversations, who sees what's going on, takes responsibility for it, and then is going to act to solve. Absolutely. I, you know, you have the Choose Love movement on one hand. Uh, I know you're familiar with David Hall that's, uh, that's promotes the gun violence uh, reform. You know, we, I think between the two extremes, we can bring a great message to our citizens in, in America about the, the, the circumstances that we've found ourselves in. I, you know, when you start talking about gun reform, uh, gun control, my Democratic colleagues, they like that. But my Republican allies, they hate it. And, 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 and this is one of our major concerns. Listen, as an executive leader that I've been for 35, 40 years, we know how to build bridges. We know how to create and, and be innovative in new development. We know how to provide a platform of, of a functional city. We know how to deal with public housing. We know how to deal with uh, food shortages and food deserts. We, we, and listen, we've come to a place that we're almost experts in those things that we have a high level of interest in. But we fall so drastically far one to the other. Half of America says gun control. Uh, gun reform. Half of America says no. That's not that's not the solution to crime. But I will say this, uh, because I'm always challenged when I when I speak uh, on one portion of my my supporters. They say, "Listen, James, we don't need gun reform." Well, I know you don't need gun reform because gun NRA and some of these other gun maniacs are funding your campaign. So I. I, I I suspect you probably do not want to, to talk about gun reform. And then you have these this, this other extreme. Gun reform and, and gun control is necessary. And I won't beat up on my, my friends on the right because there are a lot of conservatives and a lot of Republicans that want gun reform. Our governor right now, Governor Bill Lee, he, he's having a hard time in Nashville at the Capitol with, with his own uh, party, uh, not really wanting to give in at all with gun reform. And Scarlett, I, I here again, why is that a big problem? Because it not... lacks courage. Because yeah. you know what, those people in those camps, this is what courage looks like, coming together. And, and creating a solution. And if you're not doing that, you lack courage and you need to build your courage muscle. Absolutely. You said it best. Uh, we have got to have the courage to stand up. And, and, and you know, I, I would hope, I wish that we could, we could get rid of all of the elected officials and start over. That sounds like a host, but if we could, we could reset our laws. There should be no public official uh, with the ability to invest in prisons. There should be no public official that should be able to invest in uh, uh, in gun purchases. And, and you should not be able to receive funding from those sources. Listen, we have a capitalist society. That seems so obvious. <laughs> yeah, I know. 
yeah, we have a capitalist society built around criminal opportunity. And then we try to insert uh, justification in the middle of that, and it creates the tug of war. And that's why America is divided, is because that our interest and our party and our concerns have been divided. Not It, it didn't happen haphazardly. It was by design. So it's going to take people like us to break those walls down and start about forcing people to have to face uh, their malfeasance uh, and their nefarious behavior under the auspices that they are taking care of the people that they represent. How do we do that? Who knows? But we've got to get to that point. And the people are smart enough to know it. I have faith in the people. Um, so, James, let me ask you, uh, you you definitely have identified the issues that Memphis is facing. So day one in your office, what are you going to do? What's your plan for Memphis? Let's lay it out for the citizens. We know that fear divides and love connects. So how are you planning on, you know, having the courage to face the issues and 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 actually solve them great uh my first uh 60 or 90 days starting day one after after learning where my office is and the restrooms i'll actually start to do the real work we have to pull in my opinion we need to start with our stakeholders in the community i would pull together nonprofits, uh leaders uh business leaders uh, uh school administration uh, the mayor's administration, uh, and and we will start uh, uh, police administration, law enforcement administration. We need to really sit down among the real uh, leaders of these different agencies so that we can at least establish a meeting of the mind. I suspect that I'll have the ability to lay a platform before them that they will follow. I would like to see all of the social services aligned so we know where they are and what they represent. Mm -hmm. Then I would like for the schools to start uh, having a discussion with the schools uh, on matters such as how, since we know crime starts at an early age, the school bears a huge responsibility and at least trying to understand how these crises get by us without there being any oversight or any engagement to at least address these crises early on. Uh, Scarlett, when I was teaching school, I learned some things. I taught in the inner city schools and then I taught in the suburbs. I taught black kids, white kids, Hispanic kids, and I learned something. There were kids that are coming to school, Scarlett, hungry. There were kids coming to school that had just witnessed their father knocking their mother out with his fist or the mother shooting the father or just these crises. And we're asking these kids to follow a curriculum. Mm -hmm. I think that when I have that meeting with the school, we need to have a psychologist on the ground of our schools so that we can try and identify some of these uh, adverse childhood experiences that we that show up at school that we have no idea what's taking place at home. I suspect that a lot of these kids in the mass shootings have gone through the ACEs crisis and, and there was no one to actually identify the adversities that are, that are deeply rooted in the heart 
And then they have to go out and try and survive and make it on their own. They give up. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that's an excuse, but if we could, in that consortium, mm -hmm. uh, among that, uh, within that synergy, I think the school, I would put a lot of, I would place a lot of stress and effort in the schools. Mm -hmm. uh, I think we need psychologists in the schools. I think we need to align services so that we know, you know, if I had a crisis, to be honest, Scarlett, if I had a crisis, uh, let's just say I, one of my grandboys uh, fell out and, or, or he had a really extreme bad behavior. I, I don't I don't really know. I would be trying to manage that on my own. I would be embarrassed to have to manage it. Listen, I'm James Harvey. I'm one of the leaders of Memphis, Tennessee. I was one of my own falling out of line. That that would be totally uh, unusual for the people that know me. But it mm -hmm. can happen to the best of us. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't know where to I wouldn't know where to go for crisis prevention or crisis assistance. Mm -hmm. you, 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 then the next day, you send your troubled child. I send my troubled grandchild to school the next day with all of this, this corrosion of not feeling well, not, not able to get along, not able to fit in. And that festers mm -hmm. day in and day out. And it mm -hmm. creates a bad uh, mental capacity, perhaps. Mm -hmm. So I would put a lot of emphasis on addressing crisis in schools that we could identify crisis in homes and then we would wrap around the school i would ask then my next would be to work on the church the church has gotten away with very little uh uh the the, the, the in my opinion the church has gotten away because they apply very little effort. I'm trying to be nice and say this. They, they apply very little effort back to the community. I think that when a kid, when there's a murder in, a, in, a, in the city, we need to not only know what school the child came from, we need to know what kind of home environment he's, he's brought up in. And then we need to know how many churches in that zip code area around that child's living environment how many churches are there i believe that we have we need to start holding our clergy accountable for engagement into the community and not just open up on a wednesday and sunday well one i totally say, agree i'll just say that i got i got mad at mine because although he he fundraised off of sandy hook the church right. made uh he i never spoke to him <laughs> and wow. when i got the, the newsletter i saw all the money and what they were going to do with it and i wrote him and i said wow i never heard from you and That's uh, yeah yeah but but i had another uh local pastor that stepped up for our family mm -hmm. you you have to think about where you're going to have a funeral for your child when they're murdered it's not something Absolutely. that you probably think of as a as a parent but you're right about the churches they need to be present and uh i think it's really important they they are one of the pillars of a community they are and and we give them money they they don't they don't look at it that way but when they get a 501c3 to not pay taxes into the tax system that is that's a shared cost whether you're a member of that church or not we as taxpayers the government has no money we as taxpayers give you the 
privilege to not be able to pay into the tax system because you have decreed and declare that you would give back to the community. That's not so. They don't even go to the aid in their own community when there's a crisis. I don't think people realize. I mean, let's remember that politicians they work for us. They work for we us. We pay their salary. The White Absolutely. House, everybody, they work for us as taxpayers. You know, That's and 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 uh, you know they they enrich themselves while we go without, and it is not okay. We, right. I mean, our kids aren't even safe. Like, come on, we have to have a, a, a basic standard here at, for the money that we give, the tremendous amount of money that we give. We deserve right. to be safe. I, I don't know what it's like in Memphis, but I know I visited a friend in Austin recently, and she had a crisis, called 911. Now, this is the defund the police movement. And we got a, I was standing right next to her. We got a message. And it said, uh, you've reached the 911 service. If your life is in danger, press one. If your life is not in danger, press two. And you will receive a call back in maybe a week. And I I remember asking her like two weeks later, did you ever get a call back? She said, no. No. I mean, come on, guys. This is what this is what is happening out there. That's Uh, correct. (laughs) No, you're exactly right. And 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 there's no uh, there's no urgency to take urgency. care of crisis. Right. Yeah. There's no urgency to deal with crisis. So not our politicians. Right. You know, I mean, if it, if it impacted their family, there there would be uh, more of an effort, I believe. That, yes, it would. So we have the mayor's administration involved laying the groundwork. We have the business community that will financially support some of the shortfalls that maybe we can't get funding for. We have the we have the school system that will actually do an assessment of children in crisis so that we can identify services and resources to those families early on. We'll have, we'll, we'll have uh, I believe in community policing. Let's put our community police back into the neighborhoods, empower them through neighborhood associations. So you're not just throwing a police uh, 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 co-met system in the neighborhood, you're building neighborhood associations around the police because the police need to go, the the police need to feel that they are safe as well. They want to go home to their families every night. We need to wrap the community around those of us that are leading. Uh, listen, Scarlett, you need love and protection wrapped around you. Not everybody approves of the Choose Love movement. So if you're going to put yourself out front in order to lead this movement in hopes that it will not only be the legacy of your um, son that was lost, but so that it will help heal and inspire people going forward in hopes that we don't have to face this crisis again. So putting those police in the neighborhood, strengthening the neighborhood association so they become the be all, tell all. Uh, I think that we will build, I would think from that consortium, we will have a well built out framework that we can move forward with in addressing crime and uh, responding to potential crime 
and in trying to manage our neighborhoods better, allowing people to feel safer and more connected in the neighborhoods that they want to live in. If we could do that, I think we could change. We can start in the first 90 days and it'll take the first 60 or 90 days to pull all of these stakeholders together. I honestly believe, Scarlett, that we will be empowered to change our destiny. And until we do that, I think we're just gonna continue to go from one elected official to the to the other one. Everybody's kicking the can down the road. And you and I, we shouldn't have to have this conversation 10 years from now. You've been in your organization 10 years. 10 years from now, I'm hoping that Scarlett Lewis and James Harvey and the people around us have really made a huge impact, a physical impact, not a not 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 just something that we see happen occasionally. We want to make a physical impact that would be its own legacy for families forthcoming. Well, we have dedicated our lives to it, James, which is what I really respect about you. I believe we are here. It is our purpose as human beings to take what we've learned, our wisdom from learned experience, both good and bad, and use that experience to help other people. And that's why we're here. That's what you and I think about when you said 24-7, that rang a bell with me because I think about solutions 24-7. It is never out of my mind. And so I'm wondering, I know love connects, fear divides. And so what we're seeing in Memphis, but not just in Memphis, everywhere in America, is this incredible fear that has divided us, that has made us angry and and even rageful so i'm wondering how do you think how can you use your experience to bring these community leaders together uh what is going to be your secret sauce to bring them together uh because you know i it like in connecticut i don't see our community leaders working together in the best interests of our children as a number one priority i don't see that in our nation how do you how how do you do that? You bring the leadership together, but how do you get that leadership to work together? We're going to be proactive just like you, Scarlett. You know, we're going to we got to take the stats right to the people within that consortium. We're going to take the stats right to the people. We got 25%. Uh, uh, we have a 25% poverty rate. We have a 40% child poverty rate. We have a school dropout of about 25%. We have 100,000 students between the eight 100,000 young people between the ages of of 18 and 24 100,000 and our 628,000 population 100,000 that do not have ID they don't have proper ID they can't even receive services they they they, they don't have the consciousness of understanding how they contribute to society We've left them out from the school model. And I, I would like to see every child before he leaves school to have ID. You know, those, those ownership items, they sound small, but it is purposeful. A child is more likely to try and commit crime assuming that nobody know anything about him because he doesn't have ID. And a child is more likely to not have an interest in working uh, for anyone starting at the lowest level up because they have no ID. So the lawlessness of the streets that propose them something great called cash 
it's mm-hmm. it's more attractive to them than uh than than them having the opportunity to have their own identity you know uh that we don't with our capital per capita income is the one of the lowest in the in, among all of the 50 states uh we've got to have quality jobs here not driving our wages below a living wage whereby people have a difficult time surviving here so you know the crime rate is just year over year this 12 percent over what it was last year and last year it was way beyond the national average we 237 percent uh above the national average of crime we have to take these problems head on so people will understand the crisis is real we can put data and statistics with it. Listen, uh, uh, I'll say this in, in, in one of my last comments. We need a mayor that has public persuasion, understands crisis leadership, can perform economic management appropriately, has a moral authority. They understand the administrative responsibility and the skills of setting an agenda that's defensible. We need to be able to defend what we do and it's promotable. We need to be able to ensure our constituents that what we're put for will work. And then we need someone that has legislative relationships. If we had a mayor that had all of those uh, components and all of those skills, we'll have someone, in my opinion, that I think will do a very good job. And that's me. And, and last, I just believe in my heart that if we connect all of our assets functionally, such as the mayor's administrations, faith-based organizations, businesses, schools, administrations, sheriff's departments, and, and all of us as citizens, I honestly believe that we should have a clean and safe, vibrant city to pass along to our children, and families, so they will also be able to live and survive in this constant evolving community uh, that that com- that that in, that consists of the diversity that we all share. I just believe that, uh, Scarlett, and I really appreciate you taking the time to have this podcast. I appreciate your interest, your support, and as I stated earlier, wherever Choose Love movement go. Your future mayor, James Harvey, is going to be there with you. We're not done. After October 5th is the election, and we are into early voting between September 15th and September 30th, uh, September 15th and September 29th. After, on October 6th, I'm hoping and praying that your guy, Scarlett, James Harvey, is the new mayor of Memphis with this platform leadership that's been discussed. And if on October 6th, we wake up and God says something different, I'm gonna catch a flight to Connecticut anyway and find you and we're gonna, I'm gonna help you continue to promote this Choose Love movement because there's work to be done, whether I win the mayor's race or not, but there's great work that will be accomplished when I do. And that's my that's my that's my last statement as as it relates to uh, uh, what I want the general public to know about the Harvey for Mayor administration and for anybody that's interested in learning more about our campaign, uh, they can go to Harvey the number four Mayor dot com. 
we have a website. And anyone that wants to know about uh, getting in contact with us, they can find us, uh, they can call 901-337-8404. Scarlett, I love you. And if there's something else or additional that we need to discuss, I'm open. Well, I appreciate you so much, James. You have my wholehearted support uh, of me personally, but also the Choose Love movement. We stand by your side. We have a no-cost curriculum that is lifespan, comprehensive, and does exactly what you said you wanted to do, which is address the root cause of the issues when kids are young and teaching them essential life skills uh, that help them to be able to choose love and connection and belonging and you bring it into your home as well and communities and so we we stand by you um thank you for everything that you do and yeah we will definitely continue to work together thanks everybody for listening uh please support james and uh and please support if you're if you are listening from another place just, you know, your voice is really important and you know, uh, you check your heart, <laughs> get into your choice moment, make a heroic choice, really get curious about your candidates, think about it because there are courageous leaders, not many, as, as I know after, you know, going from a White House to individuals uh, all across the country, but there are courageous leaders out there that do the right thing and uh, James is one of them. So thanks very much for choosing love, James. We love you. And Thank you, Scarlett. We, uh, we will talk to you soon. Very good. Have a great day. Hey, hey, oh. It's all part of us. We can all choose love. It'll lift you up if you let it in. Let's